Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. Our guest today, Melissa Carver, she is an IFBB pro. Um, she's heading to the States later this year in October to compete in the Olympia, which is the pinnacle um, of bodybuilding, of physique competing. Um, and our chat today was really enjoyable. It was great just to get an insight into her training going into the competition, to get an understanding of how she got into the sport, um, I guess the benefits and the things that she's noticed um on a positive side of things um, from from being in the gym and, and focusing on herself and building up her physique, um, getting to understand what work, what doesn't, what doesn't work for her body um, on the mental and physical side of things as well. But it was also just a, a great conversation around, um, you know, strength training for females in particular. Obviously, Melissa takes the sport of physique competing and bodybuilding um, very seriously and is extremely good at what she does. Um but there's there's so many takeaways from this episode for all the females that are listening that are hesitant to lift weights because they're you know maybe scared of getting big and bulky or whatever the the cliche reason is. Um, Melissa does a great job of explaining how beneficial getting in the gym and focus on yourself really can be. As I said, both physically and mentally. So a big thanks to Melissa for joining me on today's podcast. I really did enjoy it, and I know you guys will love the episode as well. If you do, please do take a screenshot, tag myself and tag Melissa in uh, an Instagram story. We'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, But for now, guys, let's get stuck into today's episode. Melissa, welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure. We were just quickly touching on um, some of the things we wanted to talk about in today's episode before I hit record. And I think it's going to be extremely valuable for not only a lot of the females listening, but just everyone in general. And um, I know you're keen to touch on certain things and um, I always keep it nice and, and relaxed and quite broad. So I'm really looking forward to it. What I wanted to, to ask you first of all is how you initially got into um, gym work. You know, I obviously am fortunate enough to work with a lot of people, male and female, um, at the start of their health and fitness journey. And I always find it interesting to find out their story and their why, or I guess the purpose as to why they've they've gone into the gym in the first place and want to get into health and fitness. So when did it all start for you and, and was there a, a reason for a big reason for it initially? Um, I actually mentioned this the other day to somebody the real reason I actually first started in the gym was because uh, my ex-husband asked me if I went to the gym when I first met him. I think I was about 21 and I was like, yeah, I go to the gym, but I didn't really go to the gym. So I started going to the gym. I mean, half the time I think I just like went and did a class and then left. Um, so it wasn't a massive why because I guess at that point I was quite young Um and then slowly, slowly, I started to become more confident, I guess, in the gym. I had a few trainers. Um, and as I started to see the changes in my body um, and noticing the difference with strength, and I guess growing up, I, I got teased a lot of being quite skinny. Okay. I'm very petite yep. um, and very narrow. So, like, I remember even when I was young, like, I had to, like, alter all my clothes to make them fit. So I wanted to be more curvy, I guess, and have a bit more shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that was kind of my main reason why I first got into training. 
and in particular lifting weights. And aside from the the physical um, mm-hmm. notices, that, the changes, sorry, that you noticed early on, was there any main uh, or kind of major ben- uh, mental benefits that you saw early in the journey that you found were almost surprising? Because I think for me anyway, working with, with, a lot of, um, with a lot of girls online and in person, it's always an awesome um, moment when they have that kind of like light bulb moment when it goes from just being about turning up and hoping to look good and they get that kind of crossover to, fuck, I feel like amazing. Um, you feel a lot more confident and stuff like that. So what was that experience like for you? Um, it's interesting because I feel like I've been into the gym for so long and, you know, I'm not as young as people think I am. I'm, you know, mid-30s. So mm. I've had a lot of changes in terms of life experience over the years. So my wiser voice changed. Um, I guess initially I did start to notice that I felt more confident. Mm. Um, people started to notice that I looked more fit um, and, you know, that sort of boosted my confidence. Sort of later on down the track, though, I found that it really helped with my mental health because, you know, I had, you know, some, you know, life's adversity, so to speak, and um, the gym became an outlet for me as well. Like it was somewhere that the second that I got in, I was happy and like I'd forget about everything, you know, endorphins or not, whether I was happy, sad, whatever it is, I just loved mm-hmm. training. When I got there, I literally just forgot about everything. Um and yeah, it made me feel good. It was, yeah, it really helped give me something to focus on. Um, yep. And I guess that's one of the things that I love about prep mm. is I love the fact that I don't have to think about what I have to eat. Um, I don't have yep. an attachment to food anymore. So it's more about what's working or what fuels my body. But having those little goals um, and little little tasks, I guess, like, yeah, okay, you want to compete in three months, six months, whatever it may be, but it's really, you've got to have little goals every day. And having those things, especially I did go through a period of severe depression a few years ago. And the thing that really got me through it was actually prepping for a comp, um, Mm -hmm. simply because I had those goals and I felt like I'd accomplished something every day, whether it was drinking my three litres of water or getting my steps in. Um, Yes, I really enjoyed that, that aspect of things. We will come back to more specific um, parts about prep and, and competing and stuff really soon. But you mentioned like the endorphins and the the feeling good side of training uh, mentally and physically. Is that still something that drives you now or now is it more so just the whole mindset around competing and, and making sure you look the best or do you still genuinely wake up really excited to train and leave the gym feeling happy because you've trained or now is it just a switch where it's just like all business? Oh, I still I still love it. Yeah. I like, it's like, you know, most people or I guess maybe general population might get up on a Saturday and be excited for like brunch or shopping or I don't know, coffee with friends. For me, it's like, yes, I can actually spend extra time at the gym. That was when I was working um, corporate and, you know, working Monday to Friday. So when I got to the weekend, I was excited to have an extra long gym session. (laughs) That was my like excitement was that I could spend longer there. I don't, I don't know if that makes it special, but yeah, I actually genuinely love training. And you touched on it just then, but what was the, um, like what career path were you kind of heading down previously um, before kind of stepping, kind of going all in with, um, with health and fitness? Um, well, cause like I grew up, I was, I'm Russian, my background, and I have very traditional parents. So I was brought up to think, yes, you know, you have a very stable job, get married, have kids. And the gym, my mum always thought that, well, she always told me, she's like, what are you doing? That's not for girls. Um, and, 
Yeah, so it was kind of like I, I was working finance. So I did seven years in commercial banking. Um, more recently, I was working superannuation. Uh, and I noticed the difference because it's hard to explain in a short conversation, but being around a corporate world, and I'm not saying it in a bad way, but you're almost around programmed people in a sense that everyone's kind of like, you know, not everyone's actually genuinely following their passion or happy. So therefore they kind of like find happiness like in, you know, oh, I'm getting engaged or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that. But whereas my mindset was sort of, I wanted to. Why not turn up to something every single day that you, you thoroughly enjoy and are passionate about? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I see what you're trying to say. Like it, there's so many people that are just on autopilot. It's yeah. like it's, yeah. they wake up, they put no thought to what they do each and every single day. They spend all of their Sunday worrying about the fact that Monday they've got to go to work. And yeah, I can't imagine living that type of lifestyle. But unfortunately, there are a shitload of people living that style that lifestyle. So you made the, you made the decision to, to make this switch. Is that, was that an easy decision? Hard decision? Um, well, I mean, it wasn't, it was a bit hard initially because I've always really struggled with self-confidence and I guess just believing myself. Um, a lot of it stems from, I guess, previous trauma, but, um, yeah, no, I, I always knew that being around the people at the gym or gym in general, like, I just felt happy and I was passionate about it. Like I could talk about gym or training, fitness, diet, whatever it is, not even just comp, discussing different protocols. Mm. I love debating, you know, old yep. school training versus new school or whatever it is. Um, whereas like work was not something I was passionate about. I was good at it, but like it wasn't something I was passionate about. So eventually I thought, you know what, it's time that I throw it in and, you know, give it a go. And now it doesn't even feel like I'm going to work. So I love it, except that right now it's, I can't work, but yeah. it doesn't feel like work at all, um, which is amazing. Unreal. So when did you start to take uh, the nutrition side of things seriously? Um, like, was that, was that early into getting into, into the gym or was that something that came quite later on? And obviously you mentioned before, naturally you're quite thin and, um, and struggled to put on weight. So was that, the opposite problem to what a, a lot of females usually face. And did you have to try and eat more than you're comfortable with to, to kind of gain the, the lean muscle mass you were trying to build? Yeah, definitely. I did have to eat a lot. The, honestly, the dieting part was definitely the hardest. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting because like, I don't know, I feel like these days the girls look incredible and I have no idea how they're doing it so young. But when I first started to meal prep and try to follow plans and I started with ICN, which was IBA back then. Yeah. Um, I was terrible at it. Like I failed miserably time and time again. Like I hated the food. I thought it tasted disgusting. There was no flavor. Like I just tried to stick to the plan. And, and honestly, I think I went off track like a million times, but I just kept trying and kept trying. And eventually, um, I fell in love with it. And I don't know if it's a bit, it's a bit of a, it's hard because now I feel like, like it's great that I, I am so, I guess, aware of, you know, what I eat. Um, but at the same time, I don't know how to eat like a normal person. I was just going to say what, what differs between obviously apart from the difference in calorie intake, but what differs between prep and like off season or just not competing? Is it just, the amounts that you're eating now or is it different food sources? Do you relax completely? Like what does it look like? And then second to that, um, have you struggled uh, with the whole coming out of comp and, you know, even just coming out of an extended fat loss phase 
mentally and physically getting back to normal, whether it's reverse dieting or um, whatever the whatever the case may be. Yeah, so many things to touch on there, but I guess one of the one of the interesting things that you get from bodybuilding is you definitely get body dysmorphia. So your mm-hmm. version of lean versus someone else's version of lean are completely different. Yeah, so time, like you look so lean, I'm like, wow, like my lean is when we've got like you know, we're shredding, we've got like veins popping in the mm. stomach. Like, that's lean, like where you, you look hungry and people want to feed you when they see you. So, um, yeah, definitely is a bit of, bit of body dysmorphia, but at the same time, I don't know, I love, it. I love that freaky look. I think it's awesome. But um, it, I definitely have struggled with post-comp um, in the past, not so much anymore. Uh, I definitely relax a lot. Uh, I have a massive sweet tooth. Um but I mean, it's, it's bizarre, like, you know, growing up or even prior to competing, I would eat blocks of chocolate every day. I'd eat, you know, Pepsi, like I drink Pepsi every day, but like full sugar Pepsi. Now I see someone drink a full can of Pepsi and it's like sugar. I'm like, whoa, that is so much sugar. And it like blows my mind. But yeah. back then I was so skinny and I could eat whatever. Even my sister, she's like, oh, she's two years older. And she weighs like 49 or 50 and she's had three kids and she's never gone to the gym in her life and she eats bad. It's funny, like my, even my partner, Danielle, like she obviously doesn't compete or anything, but since she's gotten into, enjoy the benefits of training and, and eating well, she has a massive sweet tooth and she'll now be the same. Like she'll look at something that may be like super high in calories, whereas before she would just like smash that stuff all day and and now she looks at it and she like puts a lot of thought to it which is funny how quickly your um, mindset can change around around food 100 percent. i think that's one of the things that i've learned through competing so many times i think i competed about 30 times um how many about 13 i think okay memory um but each prep was different i learned something Mm -hmm. different i think that you know, with anything, whether it's bodybuilding or any industry, like there's going to be a positive and negative and it's sort of how you choose to perceive it or what you take away from it. So some people think, oh, you know, bodybuilding is so bad because you end up body dysmorphia and you get eating disorders, whatever. But at the same time, you become so aware of so many things. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, it really comes down to you taking accountability for how you want to, I guess, use that information. Um, you can be balanced if you want. Like there are yeah. ways to reverse diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this. It is funny. Yeah, it's a, it's a good thing to touch on. Like, I mean, because I'm sure you see it all the time, and I've seen it so often. Is like, you know, these people that that look incredible and are the epitome of health and fitness are more unhealthy, like mentally and physically, than what you know your average gym goer is. Depending on what approach they take and their mindset around it, and what where they're getting information from and stuff. So it's a pretty slippery slope if you're taking advice from not un, like unreliable sources and and just taking it the wrong way was your um you mentioned before you you have a sweet tooth like did you ever struggle with um i guess body image or nutrition side of things previous to competing like i don't know a lot of females that listen to the show um even if they're just trying to lean up a little bit in the gym get to the point where they're struggling a little bit with nutrition and not eating anywhere near enough calories and um, probably overdoing it on the training side of things. Was that ever an issue before competing? Prior to competing, no, because I didn't even think about what I was eating, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I still vividly remember my first PT and her telling me, you know, um, she gave me some tips. She was like, you know, eat carbs after training or, you know, try and have veggies and 
protein throughout the day when you're not training. And I was like, okay. But um, yeah, I wasn't really aware of anything, to be honest. I was just eating whatever, doing whatever. Yeah. All the time. And now, I mean, yeah, I definitely have my struggles, but I'm at a point now where I'm pretty self-aware of when I'm going off track. Like after the last comp, I think I posted in my stories on the night of when I got back to my hotel. I was like, I'm having my chicken and rice. Fast forward two hours, I went to the server and we had like everything. Yeah. With that being said, you know, it's one of those things like, yeah, I definitely fluctuated because what a lot of people don't realize post-comp is, you know, when you eat a lot, it won't show straight away. It shows like three days later. Three months disappears in like a week. But at the same time, it was good for my metabolism because I ate so bad or I guess I increased my calories a lot post-comp that now, finally, my metabolism's firing again. So it's one of those things you kind of have to, you know, nothing comes for free or comes at a cost. If you eat more, yeah, you're not going to feel as great because you're not going to be as lean. But, you know, the long-term benefit, you know, resetting metabolism, all that type of thing. Yeah, sorry. There's like a million things. Yeah, no, it's a problem. It is a problem I see quite often with competitors and particularly with females or, or, or not even just females, but those that compete like super regularly, like they never give themselves a chance to rebuild their metabolism. It's always like one prep to the next, to the next, to the next. And not only is it horrible for metabolism and hormones, but like physique wise, they'd never look any different. Like from one comp to the next, you look the same every single time, if not worse, because you, you, your starting point just gets lower and lower and lower. So it is super important to have that rebuild phase. Um, and even for anyone listening that isn't competing, like even after an extended fat loss period, even if you've just got to, you know, what we would classify as an average, as in like a lean physique, that's not, um, competing level. Like it's important to give your body time to recover and, and build the metabolism again. Competing wise, like what, when did that become a, um, when did that kind of come up on your radar and, and, um, and how was your experience in the first comp? And then I guess, how did that lead to you now? prepping for the Olympia. Yeah. Um, I get goosebumps every time I hear Olympia. Um, I, yeah, I had a friend that was one of my old friends. She was competing or prepping to compete and I'd never even heard of it. And I thought it was the weirdest and strangest thing I'd ever heard of. Mm-hmm. But um, I thought, yeah, I'll try and give it a go. I'm actually extremely shy. So for me, the stage was really scary. And, you know, everyone always says, you know, do whatever scares you or your know, goals aren't big enough, blah, blah, blah. So I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. Um, and yeah, I remember the first time I got on stage and I remember IVA back then the stage was so bright and it was the weirdest thing. Cause I, I, I'm terrible in heels. I definitely don't stand on stages in bikinis. So I, um, I remember getting up there and I didn't even know that I could do it, but like my hands were shaking, my knees were shaking, my mouth was shaking. Like I was like trembling and I didn't even like, it was so uncontrollable. It was bizarre. And then this, yeah, to win um all my categories and take out overall I was like oh wow like having thought for so long had like everyone was making fun of the fact that my legs were so skinny and I had no calves and I've got like hyper my legs hyper extend and I just thought I was really special and then all of a sudden you know they liked me on stage and I was like okay well maybe this is for me and then and each time I still probably the first time I was nervous was the last comp that I did um and I don't know, like I just became obsessed. Mm. I, yeah, I did. I, yeah, I did become obsessed. And I know that like people like, you know, it's not good to be obsessed with it, but I feel like when you're going for something like Olympia or in general, if you're passionate about something, I don't believe in balance. 
Like there's no, there's, yeah, look, I, I, I agree. Like I talk a lot about how important balance is for 9.9 out of 10 people. Yeah. It's extremely important, right? Yeah. But there, there's no fucking way you can be competitive uh, on an international stage in any sport, in any category, when you want to be the best of the best without being obsessed, without being dedicated to the point where it is, you know, what some, what most people would, would see as an unhealthy obsession. I mean, but it, it is what it is. And, and if that's what the goal is, then unfortunately you have to step into that range of, of going to the point where it is an obsession. And also at the same time, like since when is it a bad thing to be obsessed with being super healthy and looking good? I mean, I just don't understand. There's plenty of worse obsessions you could have or, or um, addictions you could have apart from going to the fucking gym. Mm, agreed. I, I like some people say I'm crazy, but I'm like, <laughs> I hate like mediocrity. Like I, I hate regular stuff. Like if I had to go back to nine to five and do like one or two sessions a week, like I'll be nuts. I love, I love going hard. Like I love crap. I, I can't help it. Like, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Like I do know how to switch off. Mm-hmm. I do know, like you know, after Olympia, for example, actually, now I'm planning to compete after that, but. I do, I guess, yeah, I don't know. It's one of the things you learn from competing or in general with life, I guess, as you get older, learning to control your mind, knowing what, you know, what you give your energy to, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I know that my mindset for Olympia has to be all in. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've mentioned this a few times on the show. I think you, you, you know Robbie Frame quite well, yeah? Yeah. yeah. So um, when Robbie and I were speaking on the show, he used a really awesome analogy of like turning the volume dial up and down. You know, like when you're competing in the Olympia, the volume dial is all the way up. Like there, there is no question about it, but there has to be a point in time where that volume dial comes back down and you can go back to some form of normality for a while. And then it just goes in phases going up and down. What's the, firstly, for those that are listening that, that may not understand like what the, you know, how um, big of an occasion like the Olympia is and even what it is for some people listening can you just explain, um, I guess, what you're about to go and do and then give us a bit of an insight into what the, the prep looks like leading up to the competition? Yeah, sure. I saw this one. Um, so uh, I guess with, with bodybuilding, obviously I compete with this different federation. So I compete with IFBB Pro League. Um, and so there's amateur shows and there's professional shows. And Olympia is, I don't know, it's like our Olympics. It's like the most prestigious competition you can do um, and to qualify you have to win a pro show or you have to have competed enough times to gain enough points to compete at Olympia um, but yeah it's the biggest stage in the world it's literally the epitome of bodybuilding so it's something I never thought that I would ever do um, or qualify for uh, and in terms of prep whew, what um, what what show um, just quickly what when did you uh, receive your pro card and which pro show did you win to qualify um, so to qualify, I won the Australian Bikini Show, mm-hmm. um, Bikini Pro Show in March in Australia. Um, in terms of pro card, though, I won my pro card in 2017. Um, and in order to win, I did the amateur show at the Arnold's. Yep. So there's, I think, I don't know, it's like 200 or 400 competitors. But um, we get broken down into height classes. So I think there was about six or seven height classes um, so you win open and then once you win your height class, you have to go against all the winners and then there's one pro card awarded 
amongst all the bikini competitors. So it was massive. And the awesome thing about that show, actually, I had my coach down, Dexter, my old coach. Um, he was actually in Melbourne when I won my pro card. So that was really cool. Awesome. Um, but, yeah, Olympia's huge. I would have loved to have been able to compete overseas more um, and won an international show. However, with COVID, it's been near impossible to obviously yep. go overseas. Uh, but my plan is definitely to get overseas uh, and to represent Australia on like the international stage, not just do Olympia, um, and that be it. Is there any shows close to the Olympia afterwards that you can then compete in while you're there? Uh, I am considering doing the Arnold's Ohio, which is like the yeah. second biggest, I guess, show in bodybuilding. Uh, that's two weeks prior. Again, COVID. It's yeah, it's hard to work out. Mm. Um, but there's quite a few international shows I'm dying to do. I do want to do FitFest, which is going to be in Australia in November. Yep. No cake for me until like December. Um, but hopefully if borders open next year, I want to do like the New York Pro Show, um, that Steven Weinberger show and Sandy Williamson. So there's quite a few. Um, the yep. Pittsburgh show, uh, I'd love to go out to Europe. I do want to do the Japan show. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> this COVID stuff settles down. What? Um, yeah. So we were touching on before, like what the prep looks like in terms of how frequently you're training, um, how like your approach to training in the lead up to it, and then also, um, I'd love to to get a bit of an insight into how you're approaching your nutrition as well in the lead up. Definitely. Um. So at the moment, put on well, it's just weight training at the moment. I haven't got cardio just yet. I think we're introducing cardio next week. Um, so I'm weight training six days a week. I've got lower body four days a week and upper body twice a week because my lower body is my weakness. Uh, and it's pretty much glutes and hammies three days a week, one day quad specific, mm-hmm. and then upper body the other two days. Uh, and for cardio, I'm going to be doing boxing, which I'm really excited about because awesome. I hold on to the stairmaster up until I yeah. Fuck that. Do you, are you, what's the, um, in terms of the strength training, is there, uh, much strength work where you're trying to retain, you know, the, the strength that you've built over the off season or are you going for more volume or like how, what's the structure looking like of your actual sessions in terms of volume and intensity? In terms of volume, I mean, most of my followers would just see me complaining about gym volume training, mm. but I love it. I complain about it, but I actually love it. Um, which was to build muscle. You can't do it for an extended period of time, but I did that yeah. for about two months. Um, which worked out well while I had the higher calories. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, gym volume training is doing 10 sets of 10 reps with a minute's rest in between. Um, so that was quite high volume, but I was utilizing having a personal trainer. Um, my friend Jay trains me because I feel you always push harder when you've got a trainer. Um, so he was ensuring that whilst I am doing volume, I was also obviously increasing my weights each week. At the moment, the current plan, which I think I've been on for about two or three weeks, um, is more about, about hypertrophy. Mm-hmm. Um, so more traditional style of training. I personally like more athletic style training, like circuit work. Like even though, yes, bodybuilding is about aesthetics, I actually like to feel fit. Uh, I don't. You like to focus on performance as well as yeah, the aesthetics yeah. of things. Yeah. I just want to look fit. I want to actually be fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think one of the misconceptions as well I find with a lot of coaches, which I was actually having this discussion with um, at the gym the other day, uh, with bikini bodybuilding especially, 
they're not, you know, they don't, I, I personally don't believe they should train like bodybuilders. I believe they should train like athletes because the idea is to, to look athletic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're going to train like a powerlifter, that could work for some people, but to me, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, that is interesting. There's, um, I mean, there's just so many different, different philosophies depending on who you talk to. Um, what do you think are some of the, I guess you mentioned then like a few misconceptions, like um, a lot of my audience is female um, and I obviously predominantly push like strength and resistance training and, and, and teaching in the correct way and stuff like that. But um, what are some of the misconceptions that you see most often, whether it be from, you know, questions you get from female um, followers or, you know, people that, that follow along with your journey um, that you kind of read or hear and you just kind of almost shake your head to and, and just wish that people would have a better understanding of it so they could see the benefits of strength and resistance work? Oh, so First one is there's always a massive misconception about the size of people. I'm like a, such a small person and I remember when I first started Post on Instagram like seven years ago or something like ten years ago, and I used to cop a lot of messages saying, "Oh, that's disgusting," and I'm like, "I don't walk around with a you know front double bicep block. I don't look like that." I mean, I will say though, given like granted, sorry, my um arms don't you know look like regular people arms, but like I'm so small, and I think a lot of girls think that you know if you lift really heavy that you're gonna, which is at that point that people still think lifting heavy is going to make them really big because females aren't the same as males. Their levels of testosterone are not the same. To get that big and jacked, like, yeah, you've got to do a whole lot of things. But, like, we are not as big as we appear, which is half the reason I got into competing as well because I remember going to a bodybuilding show and seeing the girls in person. I was like, oh, my God, they're actually not that big. Mm. Um, obviously, once, you know, people are super shredded and all that fake tan grows on, everyone looks very different. Um, so that's that's another thing as well. It's a, it, it is obviously there's a lot of hard work goes into it. And, and when you compete, you get down to ridiculous levels of body fat, but there is a massive component to it, which is all an illusion. Like I look fucking amazingly jacked when I'm completely shredded. If I'm like five to 10 kilos less than what I am now. So I'm clearly bigger and stronger now, but I don't look anywhere near as big when I am this weight. So it's all an illusion. Like that's the purpose of the lights on the stage. That's the purpose of the tan. That's the purpose of, you know, the angles and stuff. It's all about trying to create the illusion of how you're looking your absolute best. And, and there's the other part of that as well that I think a lot of people understand already is that nine times out of 10, this, the photos that you see on social media where people do look insane is the best photo that they took out of the 200 photos to put on social media as well. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's important to understand as well. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, well, even some of the male bodybuilders, and I've met them in person, although obviously like someone like Big Rami is an exception, but most of them, they're not as big as they appear online or on stage. I think one of the other massive, I wouldn't say misconceptions, one of the things that really grinds my gears about um, fitness is the amount of people that want results yesterday. Yeah. Um, I don't think people realise how much time and effort it takes to build physiques or, you know, they want to lose weight, gain muscle, but like, well, they want to... All at the same time. They don't want to like gain a little bit of fat. Mm. They, they want to do it without the dieting. Um, like, and you don't have to, like something I always, you know, tell a lot of my clients, um, the girls that I train in the gym, you know, you don't need to eat like a bodybuilder. You know, you can eat balanced. And I think it's interesting when it comes to fitness, you can be 
you can, it can be really simple or it can be complicated. So it can be simple calories in versus calories out. But then when you get obviously into bodybuilding, it becomes more technical. Mm. There's levels, there's, there's levels. People, people starting out tend to, for some reason, a lot of people starting out and this happens with everything, like with business, training, nutrition, fuck, whatever. People starting out are worried about the the things that are all the way up here, yet they're not taking care of the things that are down here. So they're worried about what time they eat their carbs or fuck where they have regular potato or sweet potato, yet they have no fucking idea how many calories they're eating or they're training like absolute shit and they're worried about taking a fat burner supplement or whatever. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I, I think people don't realize, you know, it takes time. I know one of my clients, I won't name names, but she was telling me, you know, when she first started, you know, doing PT with me, she wasn't too sure about it because she was like, I'm not seeing anything. I'm not noticing anything. I'm like, it was like two weeks. <laughs> um, and then now she's checking her butt out every two seconds in the mirror. She's like, oh, my God, it's like coming permanent. I'm like, well, you know, it takes time. Like It doesn't happen. Mm not um, small investments every day yeah it's what you do consistently and like constantly it's the same way you know someone thinks if they have a salad you know you have one salad it's going to make you healthy one bad meal is not going to make you unhealthy. Mm. um but yeah i think i think there's a lack of um education around nutrition especially because I don't think people understand how important it is. So many people are happy to train. I always say it to my clients sometimes and then they say, you know, oh, but I can't do that. When I tell them, you know, try to make some switches in terms of what they eat. And I'm like, the amount of people that you'll see do like classes at the gym and they've been doing those classes for like years. Like they have regulars, they're pumping the weights, they do body pump regularly. They look terrible. Like they're healthy, but they look terrible. Like their physiques don't change. Mm -hmm. Like it's because they don't eat for their goals. Like the it's between someone that looks a certain way half the time will be what they eat um, and what they consume. And that actually is far more important than what you lift or how you train. Mm. Yeah, definitely. You can't take one without the other, unfortunately. Um, well, you can, but don't expect to see much, many changes. Do you have much of a, uh, a morning or daily routine that you like to follow? Something I usually ask most guests that come on the show. Um, I think particularly within during prep as well, I find it it's super important. Obviously, the mental side of things can be extremely challenging once you get to the pointy end of the, the prep. So is there certain things you do on a daily basis, whether it is meditation, journaling, anything like that, um, that you try and keep in your day-to-day routine? Yeah, I do do... I must admit over the last few years I've become a lot more spiritual. So I definitely do, I don't really journal, but I do write down certain goals or, you know, people say that manifesting and things like that. I do definitely do some meditation um, and grounding work. Um, in terms of like routine or in relation to routine, I've only switched across to full-time fitness probably about three months ago. So routine's been a little bit out of whack. But in mm. terms of training, though, um, and my schedule will change as prep goes along, I'll always obviously get up and eat. You know, I've got my meals timed. I actually do four meals instead of and a snack rather than the traditional six meals because of time management. Um, but it'll be more or less once I get into the pointier end of prep, it'll be get up, do cardio, doesn't really matter if it's fast or not, to be honest. But um, I'll get up and do cardio first in the morning. 
So then I'll think about it, get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll generally train weights either during the day or at night. I prefer during the day because I have, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that, but you know, there's more availability in terms of equipment. Um, and I've had at least two meals in me beforehand. Beforehand. Yeah. What are the, um, obviously the aim is to win the Olympia, but what are the long-term aspirations for you in terms of competing? Is it to stay competing? Um, is it to just focus more on the business side of things as you move on? Is it like, what, what does it look like for you? Uh, in terms of competing, I definitely want to, I've, you know, I want to, you know, win several pro shows overseas. Um, I want to represent Australia around the world. Um, I do want to do more, I guess, like seminars or like spend more time trying to give back in that trying to, I guess, share. Educational side of things. Yeah. I mean, I don't don't want to just do Olympia and that be it. Um, I definitely want to spend a few years competing um, back to back uh, because I enjoy it and I'm not getting any younger. So if I'm going to do it after now. and then I don't think I could ever coach for competing. No, I couldn't do it with someone. I could not do it. Couldn't coach uh, a competitor? Nah. Nah, I did it. I did it for about one or two, like about one or two years. And then I was like, nah, I'm out. There's no way. You got to, it's just, you got to give it so much time and energy. Yeah. And I'm quite a patient person, don't get me wrong, but I can't handle what people make excuses. And I know I just end up probably yelling at people. So they're like, no, you didn't do that because your dog died. Like, you could have just eaten it. Or like, I'd struggle to just like sugarcoat it. And I think, um, especially female competitors, you know, there's some that are okay, and then there's going to be a lot of like counselling. And don't get me wrong, I like to share advice, but oh, I'm not trying to counsel. Yeah, that's fair call. That's a fair call. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then. Can you give us an, I mean, it's, this is almost an irrelevant question because everyone's completely different and it really does depend on you uh, individually and, and what your current needs are. But like, can you give us an idea of calorie wise, how much you're still eating in the lead up to the show at the moment? At the moment, I think I'm at about 2,200 to 2,400. Cool. Um, last prep, I actually ate the same calories for almost the whole prep. Right. Yeah. We only reduced my, I think it was on like one five-ish, but we only really reduced it towards the end. Um, Just focus on increasing energy output instead? Yeah. So this time though, because of the short break I had and thanks to my overindulging, my uh, metabolism is firing in, so it's good. I've got more food this week, but I'm eating a lot. And it's funny because girls always struggle, well, not girls always, I like to generalize, but females often struggle with the idea of carbs, but like I'm eating... At the moment, 250 grams of cooked white rice with like two or three meals a day. Mm. Um, it wasn't a lot before I started competing. When I was younger, my, my, my meals would be like this much rice and not that much chicken being like Mauritian. But now I'm like, whoa, so much rice. So, yeah, it's very different. It'll be interesting though. I'm curious to see. Yeah, because last prep, having had lockdowns, it was weird. How many weeks um, out are we now? 16 and a half, I believe. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, it's the fun part. They start to get really tired. Exciting. Well, 
Melissa, thanks heaps for, for joining, um, joining me on the show today. I think the, the listeners would have taken so much away from it and, you know, it'd be awesome to maybe touch base again and do another episode post Olympia and get your kind of your reflection on the comp and the, and the prep and everything leading into it. Um, I think today's been really good as well, not only for to, to talk about the competition, but also just a bit of an insight into the training and nutrition side of things from a, a regular standpoint as well. So, um, yeah, a big thank you and, and a huge good luck as well for the comp. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. Uh, for everyone who's tuned in to the episode today, we'd love for you to take a screenshot of this episode and post up on your Instagram story for us. Uh, tag myself, tag Melissa. I'll have the links to all her socials in the show notes below. Uh, we'd love to get your feedback. Melissa, thanks again. And for everyone who's tuned in, a big thank you for listening to today's show.